you're listening to It's All BS with Sabrina, an Amplify podcast. Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know what time you guys are listening to this episode, but thank you for tuning in for another episode of It's All BS. I'm your host, Sabrina, and I'm not going to lie, um, I this is probably the fourth time I've tried to record this introduction because I've just completely forgotten how I normally start my episodes. Um, my brain is still very much on holiday mode. And what an awesome holiday it was. We were up uh, north in Crescent Head, which is very much a surfer spot. So if you are a surfer, highly recommend. I personally am not a surfer, but I went with a family of surfers. So I was that, um, I was the one that, you know, stuck with the towels and the umbrella on the sand while everyone else went in the water. Um, which is funny because every time I go traveling or anytime I meet people with my blonde hair um they just and kind of like my features they just assume I know how to surf and I can't lie to other Australians because they're going to be able to see right through me but when I am traveling I can lie to my heart's content and they're not going to have a clue so to anybody else outside of Australia I am a fantastic surfer to anybody in Australia I hate it I suck at it please do not ask me to go um so there you go there's a little bit of insight into my life but as per usual, the music world is tuning out some very interesting news stories. Um, so here are your top three music news headlines of the week. News headline number one, Australian musician, manager and promoter Glenn Wheatley dies at age 74. Glenn Wheatley is best known to be the man who launched, fostered and grew John Farnham's career and later managed Delta Goodrum's earlier years too. Wheatley was the bass player for the Master Apprentices in the 60s, managed and launched the Little River Band in the US in the 70s and put a lot on the line for John Farnham in the 80s, even going so far as to mortgage his house to fund the creation and release of Farnham's hit album, Whispering Jack. Wheatley's sudden death at 74 is being linked to COVID-19 complications, and has prompted a flood of tributes calling him a true Australian music icon. 2022's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees have been announced and the controversy is back. 17 nominees have been announced for consideration into Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, including Eminem, Dolly Parton, Rage Against the Machine, Duran Duran and Lionel Richie. In case you don't know, the Hall of Fame was created in 1983 by Atlantic Records co-founder Ahmet Etugun, and the only real requirement for an artist to be nominated is that it must be 25 years since the release of their first record. Nominees are, it seems, randomly selected by the Hall of Fame Foundation's board, and then the nominee list is sent as a ballot to roughly 900 key industry figures. The genre rock and roll is not concrete, and it's used more as a blanket term to include all contemporary music. Surprisingly, this is the first year Dolly Parton has been nominated despite being eligible for induction since 1992. For some, this is just proof of the hall's old school elitism, sexism and snobbery. The foundation has been called out for their lack of gender diversity for a number of years now and has caused division as to how much weight we place on the importance of being inducted in. It doesn't help that male contemporary Eminem has also been nominated for the first time this year. The first year he is eligible for nomination as it has officially been 25 years since the release of his debut album, Infinite. And news headline number three, 
Artists expressed their outrage at a website selling their songs as NFTs without permission. A website called Hitpiece has come under extreme scrutiny and backlash since artists have come to find their songs and music-related extras, such as signed albums and vinyls, being sold as unauthorized NFTs. The website has now been taken down, however its original homepage stated, Hit Piece lets fans collect NFTs of your favorite songs. Each Hit Piece NFT is a one-of-one one NFT for each unique song recording. Members build their hit list of their favorite songs, get on leaderboards, and receive in, in real-life values such as access and experience with artists. Artists have flooded social media to express their disgust for the site, labeling it a scam of unlicensed music and that they never authorized a deal with a website called Hit Piece to sell NFTs of their work. Hitpiece has since responded to his backlash on their Twitter, stating, Clearly, we have struck a nerve and are very eager to create the ideal experience for music fans. To be clear, artists get paid when digital goods are sold on Hitpiece. Like all beta products, we are continuing to listen to all user feedback and are committed to evolving the product to fit the needs of artists, labels, and fans alike. As the conversation around NFTs and how it may affect music ownership and licensing in the future continues, I doubt this is the last time we'll be hearing of hit piece or something similar. And now for my top three car concert songs of the week. I'm very excited for this week's songs because A, it's a fantastic mix, but B, the first song is by a probably one of my all-time favorite bands ever. Um, it is by Bastille. Bastille have released a brand new album this week, I repeat. They have released a whole new album. It's called Give Me the Future, and critics have called it Bastille's most ambitious and best album to date, and I am leaning towards agreeing with them. If you don't know who Bastille are, they are an English pop rock band that was founded in 2010. The band started as a solo project of lead singer Dan Smith. However, it later expanded to a full band of four. They are fantastic live and they often come to Australia to tour. They've played the Aussie Open a handful of times. So if you do get the chance, make sure you grab tickets when they release their national or sorry, their international tour for this new album. I, I You will not regret it. But for today, I can only pick one song as, as the rules go. So I've decided to go with the very first song on the new album. It is called Distorted Light Beam. And the reason why I chose this one is because I feel like it's the perfect summation of both who the band are and their sound as well as the general vibe of the whole new album so if you do like this song I think you're gonna generally like the new album and I also highly encourage you to go back and listen to some of their older stuff because it's pretty awesome too so this is Distorted Light Beam by Bastille Song number two, we get into a little bit of a rap. We have Grime by Dallas Woods. Dallas Woods is a young Indigenous Australian rapper. He's originally from Noongar country. However, he was raised in the East Kimberley region in WA, which is a beautiful part of Australia for anybody wondering. If you do get the chance to travel to the Kimberleys, highly recommend. 
However, this track, Grime, is Dallas's debut track for his first album, Julie's March, set to be released in March of this year. And much like its title, this song is so clearly influenced by the UK grime movement, which I'm a huge fan of, so I'm excited to see an Aussie really run with it. This track is produced by Jerome Farrow, who you may know as the co-producer of the wildly successful track Waiting by Kian. So here is Grime by Dallas Woods. Been here before. Can't ignore signs sent my floors. Drop dead gorgeous. Oh Lord, wanna better my best and hold it down for the set. Big shoes to fill. Barefoot when I step. Ah. Cool, calm and collective. My collective cool and calm. But if one man brawlers and all out walkers, we brothers in arms. Cool, calm and collective. My collective cool and calm. But if one man brawlers and all out wars and all out all out war. 27 years with the flow of a veteran. Hyperventilating, mix adrenaline with venom. And song number three, I've Got Coffee by Roses and Revolutions featuring Lost Boy Crow. Roses and Revolutions are an indie singer-songwriter duo based in Rochester, New York, and Lost Boy Crow is a soul singer from LA, and they collaborated last year on this funky track. It's easy listening with a catchy chorus, and there's really not much more to why I like it. I just do. So here is Coffee by Roses and Revolutions featuring Lost Boy Crow. I made you a mixtape Just like we used to do Forever a teenage cliche It is now time to introduce you to this week's guest. This episode is all about Boo Seeker. Boo Seeker started back in 2015 with Ben Boo Gumbleton sort of spearheading the project. And within about a month of joining forces with former band member Sam Croft, Kingdom Leader was written and took over our airwaves and Boo Seeker was born and very quickly turned into this powerhouse of a touring group. Since Boo Seeker has graced all of our major festival stages, as well as tiny bars in the middle of nowhere. They've taken Europe and the US by storm multiple times, and now in collaboration with the beautiful Golding Boys, Jay Bainbridge and Matt Bartlam, Ben is bringing Boo back for its highly anticipated second album. So without further ado, here is Boo Seeker. And to its obvious, I would like to welcome Ben from Boo Seeker, and he is in his studio in, you're in Goldie now, aren't you? I am, in Burley Heads. Um, this has been where I have basically lived for the last 12 months in this room right here where you can see me. I have not moved to, from this place in 12 months. And I can see the puppy on the couch. This is Bruno. He's my, he's my little cuddle buddy from the studio when oh. we get... When times get rough and I don't know 
what to do next. Little pat from Bruno and a, a little cuddle from Bruno, and it's all good. I love that. I'm actually going to move my. That's that's my cuddle buddy. Hey. <laughs> oh, that looks like a nice cuddle buddy. Yeah, she's sweet. She's actually my roommate's cat, and we um we just had someone coming in, like for about a week to feed her while I was in Melbourne. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know much about cats, but this is a rag doll. And my God, they are the neediest animals I've ever met. Like really? she will what? not leave me alone. Like, uh, like her paw has to always be touching me. Okay. Okay. Well, when you talk <laughs> about cut, like cuddle buddies, it sounds like it's the perfect cuddle buddy. Doesn't get like annoyed <laughs> with it. No, not at all. She <laughs> loves it. Um, but speaking of uh, that week that I was away, I was in Melbourne. And I managed to catch you at BTC. How did it feel? I mean, I know you've done it. You did a handful of festivals prior to BTC, um, including the Grass Is Greener. Yep. Um, but how how was it being back on stage? It was a bit of an awkward stage. I don't know if I like Sydney Meyer. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, I personally liked it. Other than the heat that we were speaking about before, it was. Um, I felt like Jay was so far away from me. Um, it was pretty wide yeah but I mean man it's like it's another bucket list place for me to to tick off playing in Australia that's for sure I mean playing festivals playing any music right now I'm pretty sure I can speak on behalf of everybody in this industry it's like I'm just so personally thankful for all the people that are behind the scenes that people don't see on stage of all the running around and organizing that they have to do to make this stuff happen like it's just my, man, my management, he owns um, Beyond the City and just the immense amount of extra work that those guys have to do that I've seen just to get this stuff over the, over the, the line for us to go to and to play. It's, it's just incredible, but it just shows you the true people that love this industry and, and, and love music and love seeing live music still be able to take place because it doesn't matter how much work has to be involved. They just do it. So I'm so thankful for them and every other festival that's going through all this crap at the moment to, to let us play music. Yeah. Cause it's uh, that, like when I went, um, I was just, as, when I was walking through the gates, I thought, gosh, it's, it was brave of them to even attempt a, cause they're known for beyond the city or like untitled or not, they're not known, but like, you know, untitled with beyond the city. It's like a multi-day camping festival. It's out nowhere. It's what Australians are known for. And for them to try and transition that into a, in the middle of the city multi-day festival where punters do have to go back and forth from home. I was like, you know what, this is brave because like audiences can be a little bit fickle. And so I was like, you know, like claps to them and props to them for being like, no, we're going to do it. And we're good. And they did it really well. I thought they did it really, really well. Incredible. Like it looked incredible. I still felt like we were at beyond the Valley. Like they've got a certain aesthetic that they do that is very them. And I thought they still had that and just the lineup. Like, I mean, it was just an incredible lineup. Like I was just so stoked to be there after we'd played just watching everybody else. I think I'd kind of, you know, when you're on the when you're on tours for so long, like prior to all of this stuff happening, every now and then you're like, oh, I've I've seen those guys before. I need to go get a rest before I got to go on a plane. And man, I was just amped to just be out in the crowd, just enjoying it with everybody else. It was so good. Yeah, uh, and um, you uh, speaking of touring and playing live, I listened to a few podcasts that you've been on, and I, I can't remember which one you said it, but you admitted that 
if you could play 300 shows a year, you'd do it. A hundred percent. My, my management and my agent, like literally they know that I'm serious and they keep telling me you can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> why the hell not? Like I'm in, like, let's go, you know? And I've even said to them with all the, you know, at the moment, um, overseas touring's pretty, you know, Hard. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, there is so many people in this country that want to see music that don't get live bands going to it. And I'm mm. the first person to put my hand up and like, let's go, let's get in like an RV or something and play literally every town. Like if I can play Monday to Sunday every week, I'm in, sign me up, let's go. I love hearing that because um, like this is a fairly new podcast um, but like been interviewing a couple of people and it is supposed to be centered around, I mean, we always end up going off track as you do when you're yeah. like, having a chat with somebody, but we talk about the live aspect of music and I think every musician loves it. It's, it's a huge part of the job, obviously, but all of them do say like, oh, you know, it's pretty exhausting. Like sometimes if I, if I could, if I could leave it, I would. So it was really refreshing hearing you be like, nah, chuck me on that bus and I'll do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Man, I reckon, I reckon I'm the fittest I ever am when I'm touring because you just like, you, you, you've obviously play, seen us play live and I'm constantly moving and it's like a full workout all the time. And this whole COVID thing, man, I have drunk in so many bottles of Pinot Noir <laughs> and sat on my ass and I am ready to play that 365 shows. Let, let's just say that. I, I was exhausted after that one show at Beyond the City. I was like, man, I really need to start playing four or five shows a week again. Yeah, because you are an incredibly energetic performer. And, I mean, of course, your music lends itself to it. Like, you couldn't do most of your music standing still or there would just be this really weird disparity between the energy of the song and the performance. But you've admitted in the past as well that you're, you don't recognize yourself. Like when you look at clips of yourself on stage, you don't really recognize yourself. Like to me, I mean, chatting to you now, you like you're happy, like you're, you're ready to chat, <laughs> but you hate the social media side of things, which I don't blame you for, but um and you, yeah, you don't recognize yourself when you look at clips. How, how, how come you think that is? Is it like something switches on in your brain and you're like, I'm a new person now? Man, I, I, that's, that's what I keep trying to figure out. I just don't know. Like I, I love what I become on stage, but I don't know why I become it or how I become it. Um, and when I watch back on it, being the person that I am off stage, it still freaks me out, you know, four or five years in of, of touring, I go, why do I do that? You know, is <laughs> but I can't help myself. Like you said, I think, and it's become a thing where, you know, people that probably, especially at the very beginning, where um, you know we weren't, uh, you know, this known touring act, and you listen to our first few songs, that they're pretty chill, and people go, oh, it's mm. going to be a pretty chill gig Sweaty. to go to, yeah. yeah, and then they come and they're like holy crap, like what the hell is this? And, and it's really cool and I love that, but I haven't been doing that to get a reaction out of people. I'm literally just being me, but I still don't know me when I get on that stage. But it's, you know, mm. I, I enjoy it. I love it and I'm not going to stop doing what I love. So, Absolutely not. I think, yeah. Well, because, well, like you said, when you started, you weren't known as a touring act, but you've been touring from the get-go. You were not like, I mean, I don't know much about 
the music prior to, to Boo, but yeah. when you and when you started Boo in 2015, it, what was it? You met Sam in a pub. You were in a recording studio. Four days later, you had the song, and then suddenly Kim Churchill's calling you up and being like, "I like it. Come on tour." And you were like, "Bro, I've got two songs." So you were writing songs while like driving to yeah. the show. Like touring is such an intrinsic part of you and Boo and the whole yeah. project. So I, I can imagine you have hundreds of stories in your head. <laughs> but <laughs> when you think of your touring life, is there one moment where you just think that was like that, that as if that happened, like that's bullshit that that happened. It doesn't have to be wild. It can be something as like simple as getting lost between shows or something going wrong or meeting your hero. I think there's a few can I swear on on this podcast? Yes, please. Okay, please, the, the, please okay. there's there's definitely been a few personal things for me that have been like holy shit moments. Like, so I was in a band prior. I'll, I'll keep this really short, but I was in a band prior oh, okay. to to Boo Seeker, and the best best years of my life. It's how I um, learned how to play music, how to become a performer. Um, you know, and we were, we were five best mates from school who bought a shitty van and toured around Australia playing literally just any pub or club that would take us. And that was nine years of my life coming straight out of school and, and doing that. And when we all got to 24, 25 and they were like, oh, we want to go and get real jobs and, and, um, you know, we'll start families and do all that kind of stuff. And I was absolutely gutted because, I mean, it was my yeah. my four best mates. This is all I knew and they didn't want to do it anymore. And I had a complete and utter meltdown. And I was like, yeah. man, I don't know what else to do with my life other than play music. And I sat down on a couch and I wrote a song called Kingdom Leader on my phone and acoustic guitar and then literally met Sam and we were on tour yeah four weeks later and me and sam at, at that point where we only had kingdom leader and deception bay deception bay was still a demo at that time and we were driving down to the first gig um to melbourne and i was like holy shit this is happening like you know and we, we're listening to you know triple j i've been a triple j lover my whole life and there's literally kingdom leader coming on twice a twice a day on the radio and i'm like what the fuck is happening? Like I've just done nine years with my best friends. Not that I don't love Sam, don't get me wrong, but I've just met this guy (laughs) and, and the, all this stuff that we've been like, you know, trying to get to has literally turned over in a matter of a four week turnaround and then getting the phone call. Like I remember being, yeah, we were in Melbourne and then we did Geelong and then the gig after that, I can't remember what it was, but I'm my manager at the time called me. I was like, Hey, you've just been, asked to go to um, Europe for three months. And I was like, off what? Like, I've got one song on. So like, what are we going to play? And he's like, well, you better hurry up and start making some more songs because you're going in, in March. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is this is happening. Like, and I, as me and Sam always said, we, we didn't have time to figure out what we were doing. We literally just went straight to fifth gear and we were figuring it out as as we went along literally having no time to think. I mean, even with the first record, you know, we were kind of like, is this good? <laughs> like, is people going to like this record? <laughs> because like we've, we had Kingdom or Kingdom Leader, Deception Bay and Fool were the first three songs we ever wrote. And we literally recorded them all 
we did Kingdom Leader the first day and we did Deception Bay and Fool the, uh, the second day. And that was it. That was the first three songs that we ever released and they went bonkers. Well, in my eyes, they went bonkers anyway, you yeah, know, no, like from going from nothing to playing to a guy drinking his two, he's new in the corner of a pub to, you know, <laughs> a year in where literally filling five, 600 cat rooms. It was just that that's probably one of the, the, the most holy shit moments where I was like everything that I learned with my four best met friends got me ready for what was to come. And I think that's why the touring schedules and everything that, you know, Boo Seeker ended up having everything that yeah. I did with my four best mates got me ready for, for all of that. So, but there's plenty of other ones. I mean, going overseas, playing Red Rocks, that was a very holy shit moment. Oh, Red um, Rocks, yeah, wow. Getting in the hottest hundred, that's always, I think, a holy shit moment for, for any Australian artist. But, yeah, there's been plenty of great stuff. And, you know, I'm just I'm just ready and so excited to see what, uh, what comes for the next few years. Just over again. Yeah, it kind of feels like that, you know, like the last two years. I don't even know if I want to count it as part of the – the Boo Seeker career because it's like we've just been sitting on our hands doing nothing, which has sucked. <laughs> well, you've gone through a lot as a, both an individual but also like as a music project as well. Like you're now with Jay from Golding. Um, you've yep. got your producer, Matt. Um, you guys seem to be working magically together. Those two boys have changed my life in the last year. Like I don't know how I would have gotten through the last year without those two they're they're literally my boys i feel like i've known them forever i've only known them for a year but i honestly don't know how yeah. i could have done life without those two in the last 12 months that's for sure well it's it's that like i mean artists probably have multiple people in their lives where you meet them one day and it just clicks and on you go on with your journey but it's really interesting that for you that's happened it happened with sam and now it's happening again with the golding boys where it was like you just met Jay because you thought he had a good voice and next minute you guys are chatting and next minute uh, don't waste your love. Well, that was another holy shit moment for sure. Like meeting, I met Jay through Matt who's producing the record and we were like, do you want to catch up for a beer? And we started chatting and he'd been going through some pretty hard rough times as well. And it was the first person that I actually opened up to and I honestly still don't know why. I'm a pretty closed book when it comes to talking about my personal things and I opened up to him and then we were both kind of semi in tears and we were like, Oh, why don't we try to write us, write a song? And we literally wrote don't waste your love in probably 20 minutes and <laughs> sent it to Matt. And then all of a sudden Matt's calling the, the record label. It was like, ah, uh, change your plans to the next boo seeker song. I think we're going to put out this song that the boys have just, um, just sent me. And then, yeah, yeah all of a sudden, He's, uh, he's in the band with me. I love that. And because um, when I saw you at BTC, I was like squinting. I was like, who is that man? Who's playing with him? <laughs> and I like, I did a quick Google and I saw. Um, so that was really sweet. Um, but so was Tripwire supposed to come out before Don't Waste Your Love? Was that supposed to be then? It was actually a completely and utterly different song that we haven't even released yet that was going to come out before. Before Don't Waste Your Love. I mean, Don't Waste Your Love wasn't even going to exist. It just kind of all of a sudden happened. Yeah. Um, and then just a few things were happening in my personal life and a certain part of the time that I just really wanted to put out Tripwire. I, I didn't even know if I'd ever released that song. 
and I just mm. uh, turning over a new page for me personally. Um, this whole new record, this whole new step of me in life is kind of being prepared to jump off that cliff, you know, being cliche, but you know, I've, I've been a very shy person in a lot of ways. I don't always, um, you know, with a lot of my lyrics that I write, I always write it in a way that you don't the listener doesn't exactly know what I'm talking about. Um, and letting you guys come up with your own interpretations on the lyrics, but especially with Tripwire and a lot of other new songs on this record, I'm just saying it how I feel, how I am. How it is. Um, and that's been pretty nerve-wracking yeah. for me, to be brutally honest, because it's kind of in the same way of, um, I mean, I know we've had it in in other songs, but, you know, it's kind of like that, that, live, that live aspect where I watch myself live and I don't know who that is, where for the first time I'm listening to these lyrics getting played back to me and the speakers going, I'm literally telling the truth out of these speakers and the whole fucking world's going to hear this shit. And, hmm. you know, I, I, I think that's been pretty nerve wracking for me to be brutally honest, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, how interesting and brave that you had been a closed book relatively so up until that point like you said you wrote in such a way where people could interpret it the way that they wanted to even don't waste your love you've admitted like okay the music needed to work to lift up some of the more cutting lyrics you you had to soften soften the edges to it yeah. and then suddenly you're you write tripwire you think cool I'm going to turn it into this electronic track because that's what people expect mm-hmm. you realize that if I overproduce this, it's going to lose its magic. Yeah. So you add strings, you keep it this ethereal, dark, romantic piece, and you go, you know what? This album that's been a bit like Donda, <laughs> that we keep saying is going to come, and it's because of circumstances, obviously. Um, so you go, I'm going to release this one. What was... Your, what was your management's reaction to that when you sent it to them and you said this is going to be the first song? Um, I think they were definitely a little like, uh, are you sure? Like it's, um, <laughs> you know, and I look, to be brutally honest, I don't even think Tripwire is going to go on the record. Um, I think it will, oh, it, it, no. it will be, I'm not sure yet, but I've just, in a matter of a lot of like the last six months, I already had so much music written for this record and like my management and, and Matt alone are just starting to pull all their hair out because I keep going, ah, that song that we spent, you know, four weeks recording, I don't want to put that on the record anymore. I, I want to put this one on. And they're like, man, you got to stop writing. Like, let's just get this record done. Um, yeah. But I kind of, you know, as as much as uh, the shitty time with the whole COVID thing has been, it's actually held me off to write more music for this record because I don't think personally for me putting out a record and not being able to tour it is my biggest nightmare. I want to go out and I want to enjoy these songs with people that enjoy Boo Seeker. And if I can't do that, that's like really like hurtful for even just myself. Um, So just putting out these pockets of other songs um, through COVID has been a really nice way to, you know, keep, keep feeding, um, my notes and my chapters of my brain out to the world, but also those little movements and those little steps forward that I've taken, especially with Tripwire. Like once I put that song out, I was like, man, I personally could write any lyric I want now for this record and I'm good to go. Like, I think I needed to personally do that um, 
to be ready for you know some of these lyrics that are coming out on this record because uh, without without that I don't think I'd be ready. I think I'd be more nervous putting out some of these lyrics of this record if Tripwire didn't go out as its own specific thing than having it ready for this record mm. and going shit. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Yeah, it was. It kind of opened the floodgates. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it kind yeah. of made a lot of people go, "Fuck!" Did Boosie could just put out an acoustic track? Like, what the hell? Like, you know, is is, is yeah. Boosie going acoustic now? And it's like, <laughs> no, not at all. But I mean, this whole again, like with this new record, like there's going to be the sound that everyone knows Boosie could be, and there's going to be sounds that have developed from that first sound, and there is going to be a couple of other acoustic songs in this record and i want to keep people i love putting out a song of boo seeker that's like shit that's so different to the one we put out before and i think that's great you know like mm. i i want to be a diverse artist and and put out whatever the hell i feel i want to put out as boo seeker trip world, trip world, my mind into another I mean, you've mentioned before, kind of, you know, you've got a good song when you've written, because you write most of your songs acoustically first, and then you you go into the studio and you you produce it up, you make it the electro soul pop yeah. sound, but you know it's a good song when it works both ways. So you have that that confidence where it's like I could keep it stripped back, and I'm still gonna love it because I know it's a good quality song, but I can also put the bells and whistles and, you know, make it more quote unquote boo yep. or more uh, stage presence, the hype worthy. Um, and it's still going to be a good song. Yeah. It's kind of like doing a, like a version to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and for me as well, like I, I really, that when we did, uh, what was it like 2020 in December, we did some acoustic shows and it was the first time like, in five years, I've been playing those songs as, as it, its electronic form mm. and then going out and stripping it back down with just an acoustic guitar and a piano and going, man, like this is the whole reason why I write music like this because I can go out and give people a totally different show. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I just think a, a good song and a good melody will stand on its own just with very minimal layers. Yeah. But then you went and hit us with Dream. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> you went oh, okay, so I can do this, guys. But here you go. <laughs> and I kind of thought that was cool. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. I put out an acoustic song, and it's like, yeah, nah, we're we're going back to, <laughs> to where we're going. But don't think the acoustic stuff's not coming. So then, dream was yeah. Uh, for me, the dream was very much the start uh, of like, all right, this is this is where we're going with uh, with this record. And I really like Dream. I think Dream was a really cool um, – it almost set the benchmark of like that's where I am with this song and everything that I release. For me personally, I want to feel like I, I beat that bar. So, okay. um, 
so it was kind of like, yeah, I kind of was like, for me personally, I mean, I can't control everybody's feelings. I can't control what they like and what they don't like. And that's fine. But I, I personally think that each song, each single that we're going to be putting out over the next few months is to me, a bit of a tip of the hat to the next one to come and mm. personally think it's better than the one before it. So, yeah. Well, you've mentioned that, uh, in other chats that for the first time, sort of, you've been listening to a lot of music while record or like while writing for this one, which you haven't really done before you, you kind of nah. tend to go on like a bit of a, like a music break when you're writing. Um, and you mentioned that image in heaps hide and seek was like playing a lot during. <laughs> well, I think that's why for me, it's, um, makes, it makes me work harder and it makes me get like, my brain is just, it's such a clutter up there personally. It really is. And I, it, sometimes songs will come like really quickly like five minutes like kingdom leader does his last like they literally was the first lyrics that i wrote to paper because i'd only just started writing to paper i never wrote lyrics down prior to that like if i couldn't remember the lyrics if i couldn't remember the melody and i couldn't remember the chord structures the song never exists oh, i just wow. like if i could remember the song then it, it would get released if i didn't think if I couldn't remember the melodies or the lyrics, yeah. then it wasn't good enough. It, it, it never wow. saw the, the light of day. Um, so, yeah, listening to music it was a, a different thing for me because I was, like, getting influenced by a certain sound. I mean, you know, the opening lines um, to Dream, that vocal effect is mm. dead set image and heat, you know, and I'd never done that before. I'd never gone to say... I've never come to Matt and said, I want the, literally the first 10 seconds of this song yeah, wow. to sound like that. And he's like, wow, you're actually giving me a direction for the first yeah. time. Like you've never made it so <laughs> easy for me. Like this is, this is in crazy. So, um, you know, but in saying that, like I always go how, yeah, it was a new thing for me. It was like, how can I be influenced by what I'm listening to, but yet mm, still mm. make it my own? You know, and that was that's been a really cool experience for me as well. You know, actually listening to music again because it can get pretty silent <laughs> just sitting in a house listening to no music because I don't want to be influenced by something. Yeah, yeah. Because then if you're just hearing yourself and your own voice over and over again, day in and day out, it's like naturally you're just going to get to the point where you're like, I hate everything, I hate everyone. I should give up. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, trust me, there's, uh, there's plenty of days like that, that's for sure. But um, yeah. I don't know. It, it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me creating. It keeps me not saying, you know, I want, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I definitely know that Boo Seeker sits in a realm of a certain, you know, like, oh, if you like Boo Seeker, you'll probably like this music, this music, this music. And I think that's mm. fucking great. But, I mean, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong here, but, I mean, you listen to Boo Seeker and you go, well, they don't, you can't say they sound exactly like somebody. They sound, Absolutely not. you know, they, they, they do draw influence from this and this and this and this, I think, but I can't, I, I couldn't tell you that you listen to Boo Seeker and it's like, you know, listening to exactly somebody else. And that's what I, that's what I chase for, you know, like hmm. I, I want people to always listen or hear a song on the radio or whatever and go, 
that's a Blue Seeker song. I haven't even heard that song, but that's a Blue Seeker song. And, I, and that's yeah. what I want. That's what I'm chasing yeah. for. Well, the first time I heard you live, because I think in the grand scheme of From When Boo Started, which was 2015, I'm a relatively new fan, um, but I first heard you cool. live when you were um, supporting ex-ambassadors. Yeah. In Melbourne. And I remember um, the friend that I was going with, she was running late, blah, blah, blah. We weren't going to get to see you. And she was like, like her makeup was like half done. And I'm like, you're doing it on the train because I need to see these guys. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so we get to the van room and um, yeah, I kind of just like, I just got to sit on the side and watch you. And that was really, that was really lovely seeing you live for the first time. And then, so I'm super excited for this new album, but You've mentioned that the first album is like a travel diary because you and Sam were writing it when you were <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. What's this, is this album, what's this album like? If you had to like, because you, that was like a really succinct way to put it. Like album one is like a, like a travel diary because I can remember exactly where I was when we wrote that and where we recorded it and kind of how I was feeling in that moment. Is this yeah. more of a, a broader personal diary of everything that's been going on the past few years a hundred percent like yeah I think people will listen to these songs and some of the lyrics and you know they might go oh, fuck he actually was in a pretty shit headspace <laughs> you know like I'm not saying that this, this record is depressing by all means you know there's there's heaps of <laughs> fun songs but uh, you know like I said to you before like I I'm listening to this record, you know, we're literally in the studio now working on it and every word that I am saying, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm singing back to myself for the first time. Like I'm listening to, I'm listening to these lyrics going, Oh, that's what I'm going through. You know, that, that, that was a part of my, my life where I was sad or I was angry or I was you know, mm -hmm. upset or, or whatever, happy. And yeah, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm writing this record for me, but in saying that, like I've had friends that, um, you know, hold dear to my heart and, and always flick them the new songs. And they're like, man, it's like you wrote this song for me, you know, like it's literally a stage in my life. I could literally reflect on every lyric that you've just said to the point that it was making me cry. And it's like, Oh shit. You know, like other people that don't go on social medias and, and, and talk about, you know, their, the life behind troubles. doors kind of thing that yeah the troubles and the stuff um they're going through this stuff as well so it's um you know it was cool to hear that so yeah i think this one's this one's more of a personal a, a personal diary to myself you know this is finally getting everything in my head that and um and my heart that i would usually just squash down and find ways to navigate around it with the lyrics. Yeah. And, you know, write it in a way that only I knew what it was, but not the rest of the, the, you know, the world. And this one's completely different. This is just like, there it is. This is how, I, this is how it is. And yeah, I want you to hear about it. Yeah. And I mean, I, there, uh, touring you mentioned is like therapy for you. And that's, and that's how, that's how you coped. Like, that's how, like, okay. So yeah, maybe your lyrics in the past weren't like so 
direct and like, this is what's happened. This is why I'm sad, but neither is tripwire. It's not like you've come out and said, this is exactly what happened to lead to to these lyrics. Um, But I can imagine, yeah, then touring being taken away from you in such an abrupt, unclear manner, like no shit. You went through some of the hardest times in your life. Yeah. And then no shit that you turned to music to cope. Exactly. I mean, this is this is how I cut. This is why I started writing music because I I'm not very good at like even doing interviews. Like I'm still knowing in myself that like I want to do more interviews to get better because I'm actually really terrible at actually telling somebody on the other end how I'm feeling or getting my words right. And the way that I find it way easier to put down exactly how I'm feeling or exactly what I want to say is in lyrics. And I don't yeah. know why, and I still haven't figured that out. But yeah, it's 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 therapy. It's therapy for me. And I did. I lost a lot of people laughed at me when they were just like, "Oh, come on, man! Like, what what's so bad about sitting at home and you know having a glass of wine every day and you know just not having to work?" And it's like, "Fuck no! Like, I want to go and do that 365 shows a year. Like, that is my happy place. That's that is what makes me happy." So. Yeah. Yeah. To, to to have that all taken away, it's been really shit. So, yeah. but man, I can tell you now, I tried every little inch that we got that there might have been, you know, like, <laughs> oh, you can play a show, but it's only to 50 people. I was like, let's go. I don't Done. care if I lose money. Let's, let's go and, let's go and play it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Cause, I mean, I, I know what you mean, though, with, with wanting to put it all in, in, in your music and maybe interviewing. It's hard to on the spot convey every emotion that went into a song and try and put it into a succinct answer when you are put on the spot. Like one of my favourite singer-songwriters, Dermot Kennedy, I was listening to an interview with him. Amazing. And he got, I think, oh, you know him? Yeah. Yeah, love him. I think uh, I felt so bad for the interviewer, but at the same time I had a bit of a giggle because he actually got a little bit, frustrated with the interviewer because it was just just um I I don't know if he was having a bad day or if he was coming towards an end of the tour and he was really really tired but he went man like I I've given you everything I have it's all there in my music I I can't I don't have anything more to give you it's all right there because I think the interviewer was trying to like probe and I was like (laughs) yeah fair if you are pouring that much of yourself into the process and that is the product and that's what people love you for, like you don't have to be a connoisseur at interviews. You just have to chat the way that you have been. That, that's incredible. Where was this? Who's the interview with? I'd like to go and listen um, to this interview. I'll, I'll link, I'll email it to you. I'll have to go back and find it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> please do. Well, look, to, for me, like I, I, I can see where he's coming from, and this look, this is what makes us all great. You know, we're not we're all very different people, and, and that's awesome. But you know, to me, I look at I look at it differently. I look at it as I want to get I, I want to get how comfortable I am writing a song. I want to get that mm. talking to you. You know, like public talking has been. I can get in front of seven and a half thousand people uh, with Hayden James playing a song that isn't even released yet and it's effortless, like does not bother me. But talking to you or talking to two people I don't know, it's still, 
I get like, oh shit, like I get super, super nervous. So I want to get better at that. But even with interviews, it's like I look at it differently without you guys getting out there and taking your time to come on, you know, come on Zoom or whatever we're on and, and have a chat. You know, people don't find out about us. You know, like I look at it, you're, you guys are such a big part I'm spreading our music and I'm so thankful for it. And that's why I do want to get better at doing interviews because it's like without you guys, this, this shit don't spread. So, um, you know, I'm very thankful for you for doing it. Oh, absolutely. No worries. <laughs> I'm thankful <laughs> that you took the time, <laughs> but ah, you've just mentioned Hayden James. Cause that's what I wanted to get to <laughs> next. I, mean, I was just like, Oh fuck. I just kind of, well, the, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, we played it at fucking beyond the city. So, you know, it is what it is. People know it's coming. Of course, yeah. Well, because I was, because um, I was there, and then they, he, he, like, you know, he invited you onto stage, and like, you ran on, and I was like, this dude just did a really hectic set six, seven, eight hours ago. Now, how did you maintain your <laughs> energy between the two sets? That was nuts. And I was just excited to play again. That's the thing. It's like. I don't know what it is. Like I, like I said, it's not because of the crowds and being in front of like, hey, I'm BC girl. It's got nothing to do with that. But getting on stage is honestly the most comfortable I am anywhere. Like mm. it just makes me happy. And to do that with Hayden, like I've only met Hayden. That was the first time we'd actually personally met was at Beyond the City. Really? We'd been working on that song for four, five months just via Zoom, just sending – back and forth but that was the first yeah. time that we actually physically met each other it was a pretty cool experience wow yeah what was it like because i mean it's it's rare have you played a midnight set before i mean no. it's rare that there uh, is ever a midnight set uh, unless it's we, new years but you know yeah we closed out of woodford um in 2016 okay. i think it was we closed out woodford um there yeah. then but since then, no, I haven't played that late for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And that was a huge crowd. It was That was nuts. Like, I actually was a little nervous, to be brutally honest. That was a big fucking crowd. <laughs> Especially yeah. doing a song that I was like, backstage, I was like, fuck, I haven't even, I've never played this song before. We've literally only just finished it. And Hayden's like, we're doing it. We're doing it beyond the city. Let's go. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, good. Right, let's go. Yeah, I'm cool. glad you did. I enjoyed it. It was good. Thank you. But I have to ask, you've mentioned, you you dropped a few months ago that you were working with an Australian artist yeah. um, and that um, you mentioned that there was going to be one to two songs with <laughs> said artist. Is, yeah. uh, is there going to be a two? There is two. There is two that we've yes. done. Um Hopefully Hayden doesn't listen to this and shoot me for saying that. But um, <laughs> but there's there's one song. Let's just say there's a we we wrote two songs um, that so free the one that you heard you very much know that's me singing. Um, the yeah. other one I learnt so much with working with Hayden because I usually when I sing I never affect my voice other than Dream. Dream was the first like vocal that I'd actually said to Matt, I want to muck around with affected vocals because usually I just sing my normal tone and that's what goes on out on the mm -hmm. record. Um, but there's another song uh, with with Hayden that um, my vocal is completely warped. Like you wouldn't even know that that's me singing. 
Um, oh, and that was real fun. I literally sent him a, a demo and he's like, he, he originally told me, he's like, oh, I've come up with the melody and I'm, I'm probably going to sing it. I'm like, sick. So I just did this rough ass thing with Jay and sent it to him. And he's like, oh, I love it. It's going on the record. And I'm like, hang on a second. You, <laughs> you're singing it. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I really like what you've done. I'm, I'm going to use your vocal. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fucking, you told me that this is the demo. Like, I'm just giving you the idea. And he's like, no, no, no. I love it exactly how it is. I'm putting your, putting your vocal. And I was like, can I re-sing it? He's like, nah, it's done. I was like, so, I so he, caught, he caught me with that one. So, um, yeah. so yeah, two, two songs coming out with Hayden, which is, which is really cool. One, you definitely know it's, it's Boo Seeker. And the other one, I don't even know if he'll say featuring Boo Seeker on it. And I really like, don't care about that I at really all. Care. Um, yeah. But working with that guy, meeting that guy, he's one of the most, humblest beautiful people i've ever fucking met and such an honor to work yeah. with him really yeah. good so no <laughs> i can i can so imagine you getting that phone call like oh you're, you're gonna use exactly what i sent you you're hayden james i can't really argue okay <laughs> it was kind of like that to be brutally honest like you know when you meet somebody and you're just like oh, yeah i haven't found the boundaries yet i don't know what i can and yeah. can't say and you know like I love Hayden's music. Always have, even prior to meeting him, I listened to all of his yeah. stuff. And he's calling the shots, you know. And he's like, "I'm using that vocal," and I'm like, in my brain, I'm going, "Fuck no, you're not." Like, let me go and re-sing it again. <laughs> and he's like, "Don't, don't send me anything else. I'm using that." And I'm like, "Fuck, right, yeah. okay." Uh, I can imagine it's going to sound fantastic either way. And then, what a great story! You can, when it is out, what a great story to tell. Yeah, well, you're the first person to get it. Like I said, I hope hopefully he doesn't shoot no, me for saying it before it's even out. But um, but yeah, no, it's um, I'm really looking forward to it. The the two songs that we've done are completely different. Like the other yeah. one sounds completely different to what you heard at Beyond the City. I'd yeah. almost say that phrase like the heartfelt one that you guys heard, and then the other one's just like slap this on summer vibes around the pool, drinking pina coladas kind yeah. of vibes. Love that. Well, good, good, good broad spectrum that you guys have nailed yeah. there. Um, but to, to finish up, because I won't take up too much more of your time, no, with every right. guest, I've got a little last bit. It's the this or that. It's 10 questions. You just got to choose what you will like best out of the two options. Some artists choose to like justify their answer, which you are more than welcome to do. Others just yell them at me so <laughs> okay all right all right so what am i going to do just say the first thing that comes to yeah, my yeah so i'll do like this or that and then you just pick one okay gotcha, gotcha. yeah all right so we will we start yeah we start easy number one fork or chopsticks oh shit uh <laughs> i love both i'll go fork. fuck can't eat everything <laughs> with chopsticks all right number two Merlot or Pinot Noir? I think I know your answer. Pinot Noir. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't even have to think about that. <laughs> well, my original one was going to be, um, what was it, rum or wine? Because you posted that that the Kraken whiskey yeah. rum. And then I was listening to your other interviews and, bro, you mentioned wine in every single one. So I was like, well, that's a, <laughs> that's a redundant question. <laughs> I think I would have been like, you would have had more of a pause if you gave me two different Pinot Noirs, like a, like a mm. brand name. And then I will just like, oh, shit, she's, shit. she's stuffed me up on this one. <laughs> I don't know my wines well enough. I'm sorry. 
All right, number three, cook cook the food or eat the food? Oh, you know I love cooking. You've Mm. done a lot of uh, research on me. You know I love that. But uh, (laughs) Oh, man, I'm going to say cooking. I'm going to say cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Number four, write in the studio or on the road? On the road. Yeah. All right. Number five, beats or synths? Oh, shit. Mm, hard. I'm, it is hard. I think I would originally said since always, but I'm going to go Beats this time. Yeah. Beats yeah, have cool. become like my new obsession. Yeah. All right, number six. Be late for your flight every time and just make it or be on time, but you have to sit on the tarmac. I'll sit on the tarmac. I, I swear to God, I my – Biggest hate is being late to a fucking airport. When I go on <laughs> trips with my mates, like I swear to God, you talk to Jay, anyone that tours with me, if it's a domestic flight, I'm there an hour and 45 before the flight. Really? If, if I'm on an international flight, I'm there three and a half hours prior. Three and a half? Yep. What do you think's going to happen? Plenty of things have happened, trust me. <laughs> I have I have heard many stories, and the one time that I let my mate go, all right, you know, we'll, you know, just do it my way, do it my way. I was like, oh fuck, right, I'll do it your way. I missed the fucking flight, and then oh, there no. was no flight for two days. <gasps> okay, that's bad. And I was like, case closed, man. I'm never yeah. doing that ever again. Yeah, fair enough. You know what you are? Are you on? Are you on TikTok? I know you have a TikTok account, but do you actually scroll it? I do, I do scroll it. I'm so yeah. bad at TikTok. I don't get it. You need to teach me. TikTok's hard. TikTok doesn't make sense. No, um, I love watching it. I couldn't, couldn't help you <laughs> create anything. But um, you, are, you are that like dad meme where like there was that, I'm not sure <laughs> if it got onto your For You page, but it was like mostly daughters like filming their dads as they were getting ready to travel. And it's like the dad checking the tickets for like the hundredth time, checking that everyone's there, walking in front of the family, being there like four hours before the flight. You are the dad. hundred <laughs> percent. That is that. me. Like to a T, that is me. You'd, trust me, most people hate traveling with me because like, man, the flight is not for three <laughs> hours. Why are we going to go to the airport? I'm like, nah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm being there. And the thing is, because we've got so mm. we've got so much gear yeah, that we have to check in together, <laughs> so they've got they've got no other option. They're just going to come and do it with me. Yeah, put your foot down. <laughs> All right, number seven: dislocated shoulder every show, or forget your tar- your guitar on tour again. Uh, dislocated shoulder. I actually had a dislocated shoulder on tour. And I know because I read about it. <laughs> oh, there you go. It sucked. It sucked. But uh, no, I couldn't. Couldn't couldn't uh live without my guitar that's for guitar. sure yeah yeah but yeah the man i think that's when my love of rum started coming in because it'd drop out <laughs> on stage and i'd literally be going up to the amps and the drum kit just smacking it back in and the rum was helping Ooh. numb the pain so that was that's where the love of rum came in i think <laughs> jesus yeah cute yeah oh, super awesome <laughs> okay number eight <laughs> Sunset set or a headline night set? I'm going to go sunset. It's just something about playing sunsets, you know, especially when you get that 
epic glow and I don't know. I just think to me, to me, a lot of Boo songs is like a song for the sunset, you know? Yeah, it's like, and it's, well, the festivals as well, it's like sunset time is like when the audience is, they've kind of done a chiller day. They they have a few drinks in them and they're starting to ramp up. A hundred percent. And for, yeah, for you to come on and be the ones to ramp them up. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I love that, you know, like I love that it's kind of like, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore every single person that gets to a festival or a gig on gates to see the support acts or the local bands or anything like that. But I feel like Boo is very much put in that sunset spot for that exact reason. It's like, all right, Boo Seekers doing mm. sunset. Let's get the day or the night going with Boo at the festival Let's then. Go. And to be brutally honest, like when we yeah. get offered to play later sets or sunset, I always take sunset. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it kind of gives you the option, unless you've got a rush to like a new show, gives you the option to hop off stage, decompress a little bit and then go and enjoy the show yourself. Very true. Very, very mm. true. Okay. Last one. Byron Bay or Newcastle? You had to do it, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to say Newcastle. Right. It's home, yeah. It's home. I love it. And to be brutally honest, 100% Newcastle because I hadn't been able to go home for 12 months. So I finally yeah. went home for the first time in December. I went home yeah. for the first time and just I hadn't seen my fam- I hadn't seen my mum and dad. And to think that that's literally eight hours up the highway and I can't go and see my family drove me nuts. Insane, yeah. To go home, see see all the see all my friends, see my family. It's great. I loved it. I loved it. So Newy, Newy, but I do like Byron. Don't, Byron, Byron Bay people don't don't kill me. <laughs> well, hey, can I, just say, can I just say? Can I just say? Can I say? This is by far my favorite interview I've ever done. You have done so much research, and it is really, oh. it really, really is nice to have somebody that has taken the time to go and research band, ask me new questions that I've never been asked before. It, it has been an absolute pleasure doing it. So I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed that. That was great. that was Boo Seeker. Thank you so much for Ben for jumping on with me and for saying that really, really lovely thing at the end. Um, when he said it in the interview, I got a little bit blindsided because, um, you know, you don't expect to be thanked as the interviewer. You know, it's for me, it's the other way around. Like, thank you to them for taking the time out to chat. So um, I really appreciated that. And I wish I had the forethought to like actually say that when I had him in front of me. So Boo, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you so much. When I listened back to it, I got this massive grin on my face. 
But if you do want to see Boo, then you are in luck because he is doing all the For the Loves. Uh, we've got Melbourne, Gold Coast and Perth going ahead. However, Wollongong has unfortunately been cancelled due to extended COVID-19 restrictions, which of course is the one that I was going to go to. So I'm going to miss out on seeing Boo. So make sure Melbourne, Perth and Gold Coast people, you are you are going and enjoying his show for me. Um, however... That is not the only little bit of boo we're going to get in the next month because he is dropping a brand new single on February 17th, which is exactly 10 days from when this episode drops. The single is called Finish What You Started and you can head to Boo Seeger's Instagram and click the link in his bio to pre-save what I'm sure is going to be an absolute track. So that is the end of this week's episode of It's All BS. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, I speak to LA-based Cynthia Catania, who you may know as a solo musician or as the leading lady of alt-rock band Saucy Monkey, who were very big in the early 2000s. Uh, We go into Cynthia's extensive career history and what it's like growing from a young, dumb 20-year-old who was thrown into the rock star lifestyle into a musician who is now far more grounded and is ready to make art for art's sake. Um, so if you're interested in tuning into that one, then make sure that you subscribe to It's All BS on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, guys, I'm Sabrina. This is It's All BS and have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>